UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal will fly to two. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. You guys got to bear with me. I'm having um, camera trouble. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I really honestly don't. Like, I've tried to uh, fix the settings on my camera, and um, it's not uh, working. So, um, oh, there we go. My camera just popped up. So, there we go. <laughs> um, but uh, but, but we, who I have with me today is um, Eric, the mind control guy. And uh, I, I, I heard about him through Coast to Coast AM, but then also on Facebook um, through some groups that were, that were involved with or that I was involved with. Someone mentioned him to me and they said, you got to get this guy on your show. Um, a little bit um, more about the Eric is he is was a part of Project Mind Altering Research Study, Mars Survivor and Survivor of numerous other projects that he says um, never should have been allowed to take place. He was born and raised in Ventura County, California, and is a veteran who served in the U.S. Army. Um, I want to thank him, first of all, for his service. Uh, my dad was a veteran, so thank you for your service. And also, thank you for coming on my show. How are you? Doing all right, except for all this electronic stuff that doesn't want to work when you need it to. I'm doing. I know it's crazy, man. I mean, you don't you don't have to use your camera though. It's the the information that's more important. Um, so what what's up with this project Mars? What what was this? And can you give the 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 audience a, a a better idea of what what this was and how you got involved with it? Yes, uh, the mind altering research study. Uh, took place from 1973 until it was shut down in 1990 because of an event called the incident in the barracks where a young troop, uh, a test subject, is, they gave him this uh, mind-altering stuff, whatever it was, and I still to this day have never learned exactly what, what it, exactly what it was. They used uh, different techniques and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, what shut the project down, this young troop, uh, he didn't know it because it was he was in an altered state of consciousness, but they had him up before a simulated firing squad. He thought he was going to be executed. And apparently he had come out of his sedative state in this situation, which was a former uh, Green Beret told me this. And uh, this former Green Beret was the first guy that actually opened up to me about uh, all this stuff. And anyway, so this young troop, he just lost it. And the end result was he ended up getting hold of an M16 and shot up the barracks and like uh, close to 30 troops got shot and that's when they shut down the project. But as far as my involvement in it, involvement in it, 
I went in the service in uh, the fall of 1973. I was 17 years old. I graduated basic on my 18th birthday. And uh, anyway, the way it's done is all this ultra secret stuff that goes on behind closed doors. I mean, they have secret, top secret, above top secret, eyes only need to know. And so we always hear about all this classified stuff, but nobody really knows unless you're actually involved, then it's called need to know. If you don't need to know, then you don't need to know and you don't ask questions about it. And so this uh, project was level four above top secret from what I was told. And uh, anyway, what is they have these specialized psychiatrists and by all your different different tests that you do as far as your ASVAB and answers you give on various tests, uh, basic and whatnot, uh, you're profiled. And some of these psychiatrists say, well, this guy's kind of like what we're looking for. Let's bring him in and uh, we'll give him some tests and see what happens. But the thing is, when they come and get you, all the security is special forces, Green Berets. And uh, they come in in the middle of the night. And what they did with me is they had a spray bottle. And whatever this agent was inside this bottle, I have no idea. So they come in the barracks where I was and they sprayed me and they said, come with us. Okay. So this uh, spray, whether it had some uh, thing that really let your guard down, or I'm not exactly sure how to word it to where you just pretty much, you know, do what you're told. And uh, anyway, I got to Fort Bragg in April of 1984 and they went to work on me in June. 1984 and so they took me to the lab wherever the lab was on Fort Bragg and there was a couple of doctors there one was Dr. Peterson and the other one was in the realm of mind control doctors who different people I've met since I got out and since I got my memory back who were members of uh, military intelligence of one echelon or another and guys who were special forces. Uh, this particular doctor, I only like to say his name one time because I cannot even stand to say his name. And this particular doctor who was in the realm of mind control doctors, he was the twisted of the twisted. He was the worst of the worst. And his name was Dr. Gorman. G-O-R-M-A-N. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just I just uh, got that epiphany. Do you think that there was Nazi ties to these um to these uh, doctors? Uh, there very well could have been. I mean, after uh, Project Paperclip, uh, they had brought uh, a lot of the Nazi scientists over. But I'm convinced that uh, here in this country, unfortunately, the the clandestine echelons of our military were. Uh, in, involved in this stuff um, before they brought the Nazis over. Like during uh, World War II, they had hypnotic messengers, which uh, if you put a guy in an altered state of, state of consciousness and you tell him something, and then there is like a trigger, a trigger phrase that you can tell this guy, he goes into a trance, you tell him what you, he needs to know and give him his orders and unbeknownst to him, 
he's following orders. He's doing what he needs to do, going to where he needs to go to meet up with a certain individual, usually a, a high up officer. And the officer on the other end says this phrase. The guy goes back into his trance, tells him the message and says, OK, now here's the message I want you to take back to a major or colonel or captain or whoever, so and so. And he does, goes back on what he needs to do on his travels, goes back and rendezvous with this officer. And the officer says what he needs to say, brings that guy back into a trance. And he tells him the message to, okay, thank you. You go back to your barracks, you lay down. When you wake up, you will remember nothing. Okay. And so they had this technology before they brought the, uh, the Nazi scientists and Nazi, Nazi doctors over. But uh, uh, in the realm of uh, these mind control doctors, uh, they were all psychiatrists. And a certain amount of these people were, they, were, they weren't right in the head as far as I'm concerned. Because a lot of the tests that they did to us, you have to be... Um, a pretty sadistic individual, a pretty sadistic human being to enjoy inflicting torture, whether it be physical or mental trauma onto another individual. Now, a lot of the stuff they did to us in the mind altering research study was, uh, it was basic training. Basically they wanted to see how far they could push the envelope, whether you could take everything they threw at you, what was your breaking point? And uh, the techniques that they were trying to uh, perfect, one, it was they were trying to develop something that they could put somebody in any situation, unconscious, unaware, and you would have absolutely no fear at all. Now, they got guys that are Army Rangers, Special Forces, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, Recon, Infantry, these guys are some pretty tough hombres and anybody who has ever gone to any of those schools, which I never did. I never even went to airborne school. And uh, these guys, they're going to have a pretty tough occupation. They're going to be in situations where they're going to have to live by their wits and all the team members have to trust each other. And not only do they have to be extremely physically tough, they also have to be extremely mentally tough. And I can tell you some stories about that from the people who were in it, who opened up to me about things. But yeah, anyway. that's, that's uh, I just I mean, I, the evidence is always great because like that shows that there was like a, you know, like th this was actually connected. I mean, I believe you, but I mean, if you have stories of people that also that's amazing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but okay. no problem. And uh, so anyway, the first guy that opened up to me was a guy who was a former special forces ranger who had been in the first Gulf war. And I had had a jacket made that identified me as a survivor of this uh, mind control project. And uh, he asked me what it was. And I told him we started talking and he realized who I was. So he opened up to me because a lot of the times the guys who were in, whether it be special forces, seals, rangers, or Delta Force or PSYOP or military intelligence, any of that kind of stuff. These guys are given various levels of security clearance, depending on 
their need to know basis. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that goes on, these people in certain echelons, they didn't know certain things were even possible. They didn't know certain things go on. Like uh, when the security forces, when they were brought in for security of this mind-altering research study, and they saw these doctors do some pretty twisted things to us. And the difference between us and the guys that went through ranger school, when the guys that went through ranger school, they go through a part that's uh, referred to as uh, the fear factor part. And that's the part that's never acknowledged to the public where they got to check everybody's phobias. You know, do you have phobias? And if you do, we need to work on that. And some of these guys can't handle certain things. They end up washing out. But at the same time, they're told they're never allowed to reveal about what they know. Now, some of these tests that they went through awake and we went through completely unaware were uh, some of the simple ones were like, they would have these very large either Rottweilers or Doberman pinchers. And they would have an industrial strength collar and a chain connected to a wall. And you were to sit in a chair just like I am right here. And they had it down to a science as far as those dogs could stretch. And they were trying to like rip off your face. And if I turn my profile sideways here, right here with just a few inches from your face, that was the limit those dogs could stretch. And this former special forces ranger verified this memory to me. And they're, and you're told to just sit there in your chair. And they always said right before every test they did, regardless of what it was, they always said, remember now, no fear. Because that's what they were trying to do. This uh, stuff they gave us, it was a controlling drug or a microchip. It ended up being a microchip, but their techniques was controlling slash no fear. In other words, if they told you no fear, no matter what they were doing to you, you had to have no fear. And if you, if you, uh, you had no fear, you showed no fear. Okay. This stuff works on this guy, but just like medication, it doesn't work on everybody. And that was one of the problems they had was uh, they would put a guy in a situation like sitting here and a dog trying to rip your face off, even though he's tied to a chain, he's still snarling in your face. Now, are you going to flinch? Are you going to jump? Or are you just going to sit there like you're staring off into space with this big old uh, dog trying to rip your face off? And the problem was, uh, just like medication, the stuff they gave us didn't work on everybody. And so some of these guys would come out of their sedative state longer, uh, not longer, but um, before they were supposed to come out of it. Or they would uh, give them this stuff and it really didn't work on them. And so when these guys are coming out of their sedative state and there's some big old uh, snarling dog trying to rip your face off and they're coming out and they're like, what the hell's going on? And so some of these guys would end up being, we've all heard the term, they would either be scared to death, they would die in testing, or... Uh, their mind ended up getting scrambled because of all that mind altering stuff they gave them. And uh, they ended up what I call brain fried 
where all they could do is just sit there and drool. Oh, and, their told, and their families are told fairy tales about what happened to them. Uh, one in particular was a good friend of mine when I, I served with. He was from Anadarko, Oklahoma. Name was Tracy Myers. And uh, Myers and myself were, uh, we were in the project together, unbeknownst to us. The problem was uh, he was almost having immediate nightmares about what happened, and he did not know where it was coming from. And uh, shortly before I got out in 1987, he gave me the address, not the address, but the phone number to his uh, folks place in Oklahoma. And I said, no problem, bud. So I put it in my wallet, forgot about it. Well, after I got out, uh, some I got out in uh, July of 1987. So sometime in 1988, I decided to call the uh, my old unit because at that time I had still remembered the phone number to my old unit. And one of the guys I was in with answered. And I said, uh, hey, uh, what's going on, Bo? He goes, oh, not much. How's civilian life doing all right? How's everybody? Well, everybody's doing okay except for Myers. I said, why? What happened to Myers? And they said, well, for some unknown reason, nobody seems to know why. He rented a trailer off a of base, and he wouldn't come out of his trailer for 30 days. He just stayed in his trailer. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, he stayed in his trailer and refused to come out. So... They just chaptered him out and sent him home. And I'm like, damn. So next thing you know, I called his house and his mom answered. And I said, is Tracy there? And she goes, yeah. She put him on. I go, hey, bub. And it was just like old times, you know. I didn't ask him about, you know, why he stayed in his trailer and wouldn't come out. We just talked about all kinds of stuff for about 20 minutes. And uh, then we hung up. Well, several months later, I called again. And his mom answered. And I said, hey, is Tracy there? She goes, uh, no, he's not here right now. I said, do you know when he'll be back? She said, I have no idea. I said, what do you mean, ma'am? He goes, well, about six months ago, he went running out of the house, stark raving mad. And like he was absolutely terrified of something. And she goes, I haven't seen him since. He went running out of the house, stark raving mad, several months before, and she never saw him again. Well, a friend of mine who uh, turned out that he was head of security during the project, name is Sergeant Gray. He has passed on now, so I can mention his name, but I couldn't mention his name while he was alive. And the reason I couldn't mention his name while he was alive, because I asked him one day, I said, what did they threaten you guys with? Because sometimes he would open up to me about things. Other times he would clam up. And other times he wouldn't even acknowledge that I asked these questions. So finally, I called him one day. I said, Sarge, what do they threaten you guys with? He said, we were told that even after we got out, he said, if it was ever found out that we were talking about any of this stuff that happened, we would be reactivated, court-martialed, and we would never see the outside of Leavenworth. And that's if they were having a good day. Other, otherwise, they would just uh, office and make it look like an accident or something or apparent suicide, hit and run, home invasion gone wrong, something like that. And uh, I'm just like, whoa, oh God, this, this is some more. And anyway, uh, so Sergeant Gray, he he plays a big part in, uh, in my stories. 
And uh, anyway, so I was telling him this story about my buddy uh, uh, Myers. And he goes, yeah, I know. We found him two weeks later. I go, you found him? So that what right there told me that even after we got out, they always kept an eye on us simply because of what we had been through and all this kind of stuff. And so he goes, yeah, we found him two weeks later. He was living like a hermit in the woods. I said, whatever happened to him? Now, when I told him this story, this was about uh, 2007, 2008. And he said, well, as far as I know, five years ago, he was still in that mental hospital in Baltimore. Now, when his mom told me he ran out of the house, stark raving mad, that was in 1988. And uh, in the earlier part of the millennium, probably about 2003, Sergeant Gray said that he had, he was still in a, uh, in a mental institution in Baltimore. And then I uh, learned in a roundabout way that uh, uh, Myers had passed on and his family never knew what happened to him. And that kind of stuff. I feel so bad for these people. Like I, I, I have to ask you this, Eric, why do you think they do this? Like what, what do they get out of this? I mean, do you think this is where like school shooters come from and stuff? Like, or people who commit mass atrocities, like that they're just like switched on through mind control and that, you know, but oh, that's the kids who do that. So that wouldn't, I don't know. Well, a lot of the, uh, the big time mass shooters, I'm convinced that a lot of them are, uh, are mind controlled, whether it bid through the, uh, the central intelligence agency or military intelligence or, or some other agency out here. And the reason I say that is because a lot of these shooters, after they're apprehended, they said, why you do it? And they said, the voices in my head wouldn't shut up. They kept telling me to go and do this shooting and they wouldn't leave me alone. And then I, they said, I finally snapped and I went and did this shooting. And after I did the shooting, the voices stopped. And so those, those could also be entities as well. Did you ever think, I mean, like, cause I, I was thinking those could be demons because I think demons can also, I mean, like that's a different subject I know, but I'm just exploring all possibilities. And, and this is an interesting conversation because we, we now know what, where this schizophrenia comes from. And I think it's one of our biggest problems in society, to be honest, like, because today mental illness is rampant, you know, it's like, it's rampant. So wherever it comes from, it's not good. Right. Whether it's mind control entities, whatever. Oh, no. Well, um, after the mind-altering research study was shut, excuse me, the mind-altering research study was shut down in 1990. They had perfected this thing they called MARC, mind-altering relay chip, and it was uh, very, very low frequencies, uh, below any normal used frequencies out here whether it be uh, regular radio, TV, police channels, emergency channels, extremely low frequencies. I mean, just like uh, how, many, how many gazillion cell phones or regular landline phones and even locked-in phones are there on this planet? I don't know if we have a number that's that high. But when you dial one set of numbers, only one phone will ring. And so they needed to have these frequencies uh, set up in their sophisticated device, whatever it was, to where whenever they dial these uh, numbers and letters for this microchip that was put in somebody's head without their knowledge, only one person would come up, would uh, wake up. 
or they'd go into their trance and then they would do what they were told to do, programmed to do. And I'm convinced that that's probably how it's being done, that people are, uh, when you get people who are given shots or uh, say vaccines or surgery, I mean, there's a lot of young people out here. They said, yeah, so-and-so's got to have brain surgery or so-and-so's got to have heart surgery. And, uh, you know, these uh, doctors out here, even the civilian world, you never know who they're working for. They may just seem like a regular practitioner, but then they might be on the payroll. And you got somebody who is put out unconscious. They might be given a, a hypodermic needle that has a microchip in it and they can put it there or they can put it in behind their eye to where whatever you see, they can see. They did that. I remember that happened. And uh, there's their technology. They've been doing this for so many decades and they got, you know, all the money and resources they need and it's all done in secrecy. It's insane. Nobody- it, I, I, I agree. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's really, uh, it's, do you think it's to control more of the population? Is it always about control? There's a there's a lot of that, and it's controlling for various reasons. Uh, you have some like what happened in um, I think it was 1989 in Stockton, California, and they had an event that uh, you can read about it on YouTube, uh, and uh, not just YouTube. They have documentaries, but you can Google it and uh, read about it. And there was a feller by the name of Patrick Purdy. He was uh, I guess they classified him as a drifter. And uh, anyway, he went up to this schoolyard with a bunch of these young kids and he had an AK-47 or some kind of rifle like that and a completely zoned out look on his face from the witnesses who were there. They said he just methodically gunned down all these kids and then turned around and turned the gun on himself. Well, shortly before this happened, there was a bunch of... Um, uh, legislation on the governor's desk and it was uh, assault weapons ban, but they didn't have any incident uh, that happened to justify this. So they created this incident. They had this uh, drifter kind of guy and they did whatever they did to him and program him to go out and shoot all these kids and then turn around, and turn the gun on himself. And almost immediately assault weapons ban passed with, without a heartbeat. You know, that's like that's like David Icke always says, it's problem, reaction, solution. That's how they, they, they react. They, 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 they make up a problem, then they, they react to it, then they pretend like they have a solution to the problem that they created. Problem, reaction, solution, right? Yeah, yeah. create the problem and then uh, offer a solution that you would not otherwise accept. Yeah, yeah. And- it's so dirty. So dirty. It really is. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. and sorry. It cut out. Oh, I said, sorry. And it's all right. I, I said, I, I didn't want to cut you off. I go, I go, go ahead. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, so, and then the, I'm not sure if it was 20 years ago or 18 years ago or how many years ago it was, there was uh, the Beltway shooter in uh, Washington, D.C., and shortly thereafter, they said they found this guy over in Nevada, 
It's like, did they already know who they were after? You know, how do you, how does this happen over here? You don't even know who the guy is shooting. And within a few days you catch him in Nevada. Did you already know who you were after? And so he was the guy, one of many that said the voices in his head wouldn't shut up telling him to go do all this, uh, you know, shooting these people on the freeway, basically doing uh, sniper work. And after he did the shooting, all of a sudden the voices shut up. And I'm thinking, okay, what kind of legislation was dropped on the governor's desk after that? And it's, it's just all this uh, sinister agendas. And without being on the inside of these people who have this sinister agenda, one can only speculate what it's all about. I know part of it is they want to disarm the country, just like yeah, so many other on this like planet they, have been disarmed. They have a, they have like this, uh, they, you know, they want to, it's, it's so crazy. Like we've turned into the new realm. Like we really have like, and, and people wonder why they want to, uh, what people aren't buying into this war bullshit. Like, you know, like I want to be patriotic and I am patriotic. My dad was a Vietnam vet, but at the same time, man, like, I, you know, rich people don't ever die from war. You're not usually at least the, the elites will go all hide in their bunkers. Meanwhile, while uh, the, the public, uh, you know, feeds off radiation and their grandkids die and everybody dies of cancer. But, the, you know, so they, they want to start this big nuclear war because they're not getting their way over in Ukraine or Russia or whatever. I, I don't I know what it is, Russia, but they, they don't they don't then they expect they expect us to trust them. Oh, yeah. Like, like, let, let us trust you. Like, go ahead. Lead us into war. Like, that's like what we need. You know what I mean? You would think that we, we would be above that in today's day and age. And that's not I'm not against weapons. I think we should all be armed because of places like countries that want to mess with us. Right. Because there might be countries that really might want to come invade us. And I think that's why we need weapons. And we are one of the last countries that, that their citizens are allowed to have weapons. But if they're still they're trying to take them away. I agree. But at the same time. I don't agree with their their war tactics, and because I I can't if we can't trust them about things they've done about mind control, how can we trust them to lead us into war again, right? Or does that make sense? Well, yes, because a lot of what uh, a lot of these wars are about is you have the super super elitist uh, echelons who basically control everything, and. Uh, over here in this country, over here, they have some natural overabundance of natural resources. And you have these people that uh, run these ultra huge companies and they say, we want some of that. And maybe the, the people who live there, as far as those who, you know, run things in that country, they say, well, we don't want to give it up. It's in our country. We're going to use it for our purposes. And they say, well, OK, we tried. And then our legislators and other people are sold a false bill of goods about, uh, oh, we need to go over there to uh, fight these people because this, that, and the other's going on. Like I know an old man, I've known him my whole life. He was uh, working for DOD years ago, Department of Defense. And, of course, we were all sold the false bill of goods that uh, the reason our troops were over there in Vietnam were, uh, was to fight communism. And... He told me one day 
when I saw him probably uh, 30 years ago or so, he said, uh, he looked at me dead in the eye, he goes, you want to know the real reason why we, we were in Vietnam? I'd love to hear it. Sure. He said, off the coast of Vietnam, they have these uh, ocean beds on the floor, extremely thick of iron ore that's in powder form. Just hundreds of square miles of iron ore in powder form. And you wouldn't need to do like they have in the Dakotas or Wyoming or wherever they do their mining. You wouldn't have to be using a two-inch drill bit and drilling down and just scarring the hell out of the land to get iron ore. All you need is something the equivalent of a uh, swimming pool vacuum that they use to suck the dust off the floor, and uh, you could get it that way. And he said, I used to get classified mail trafficked across my desk. And he goes, I got mail trafficked across my desk that said access to that iron ore was the reason why we were in Vietnam and everything else was a smokescreen that was sold to the people. Yeah. That was the real reason. And I saw my, you know, my dad died of uh, prostate cancer. He died when I was 21. And uh, they said it was because of that. This is what they officially, the notice they gave him. They said it was because of that Asian orange they sprayed over in Vietnam. And he had like a reoccurring like mental health problems because of, you know, what he saw over there in Vietnam and, and for all, for what, you know what I mean? To, to appease some asshole in Congress, their war machine, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hippie or anything like that, but at the same time, I'm not like, I'm not for this, this, uh, this war machine. Like so many guys, young guys died over there in Vietnam. They never, never even got a chance to live. Like, how is it that you can be 21 years old and, or no, they make the drinking age 21. You can't even have a drink, but at 18, you can go fight for your country. That doesn't, and die. That doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah, when I was in, I had met some uh, old timers there. They were civil service and uh, they worked on base, whether it was uh, Fort Dix, where I went to basic, Edgewood Arsenal, where I did AIT at, and uh, or Fort Bragg. And uh, I was talking to this one old guy. This was back in about 83, 84. And uh, he had been in World War II, and he said, you know, it was so damn aggravating. I spent two years in combat, couldn't back and came back and couldn't even buy beer. He said, what's, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> I mean, they want to tell our people, uh, you're not old enough to, uh, to have a 22. You're not old enough to have a, a 9 millimeter 45. They got like, wait a minute, I used to fire howitzers. You know, or he was a machine gunner on a on a helicopter or something like that at 18, 19 years old, you know, using an M60 or an M50, uh, 50 cal, Ma Deuce is what they call it. And, uh, you know, I was, these guys, you know, I threw hand grenades, I had law rockets, and you want to tell me I can't have a 9 millimeter handgun because I have not reached 21? Go to hell. You yeah, know? it's ridiculous. And they say, well, and it's so damn aggravating that these politicians uh, come up with the most asinine legislation. Now, on paper, it might look fine, but you go out here in the world, not everybody is a civilized individual. Hell, Chicago, they call it Chirac. I mean, it's like a shooting gun. Yeah, bad there. I yeah. used to uh, deliver there quite a bit because I've been a trucker for over 30 years. And I used to go to Chicago all the time. And uh, 
you know, on the weekends, especially on a holiday weekend like uh, Independence Day, New Year's, uh, any given holiday, it's almost like the bookies are taking bets. You know, well, how many think they're going to shoot this weekend? And they'll shoot anything, anybody from a, a toddler in a cradle to an old person sitting in a wheelchair. Those gangs up there, they are absolutely merciless. There's really no difference between them and uh, people like like ISIS. You know, when uh, string people up, burn them alive, draw and quarter. I mean, the the mental, the gang mentality uh, of so many of the gangs in this country is just. It is so unconscionably savage, and the various people I've met over the years going to these cities and working at these stores who were either associated with these gangs or had been involved in these gangs, the stories, the firsthand stories they've told me about some of these gang initiations, like uh, one in Chicago told me that this one particular gang up there, they call them the GDs, uh, their initiation was for the initiate just trying to get into the gang after they did everything else. Their final initiation was whoever their closest family member was, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, sister, whatever, they had to kill that person or the gang killed them. I mean, what is this? Grandma, I love you. You've been good to me, but sorry, this gang's more important. You have got to go. Now, why would anybody want to be a part of something like that? It's horrible. It, it makes you think that it's like the degradation of society or, um, you know, I guess the word I'm trying to say, it's like uh, how far we fell as a society. It seemed like, um, you know, like after World War II, or at least from what I mean, I grew I'm 42. I grew up in the 80s. But, you know, like I heard stories from my grandfather. Well, my grandfather was a prisoner of World War II, but I heard stories from my grandmother and 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 the, 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 it seemed like the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, even the 80s were a better time. Like it, it just seems like society's fallen. That's another reason why I say it's like we're a new Rome, you know, because like look what Rome was doing. They were killing people in a in a gladiator arena, you know, like um, and they had no they were like basically sacrificing people. You know, you might as well. I mean, you're you're uh, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it seems like the difference was back in those days they had they used swords and spears, and today you know they have uh, other kinds of weapons. When you know we sit around today, and whether it's a show or whether that's really going on, still in your mindset, whether it be boxing or whether it be wrestling or Ultimate Fighter or the karate and kung fu matches and all that when you're watching two guys just beating the living hell out of each other. And in some of the ones that they call the underground where you have a couple people out there fighting to the death and people are taking bets on it. That's no difference than what happened in the, uh, the Roman days where they, you know, throw these people to the lions and everybody's sitting there eating popcorn, chewing on chicken and cheering them on. Going to watch one of their fellow human beings being eaten by a lion just for a spectator sport. Yeah, you're right. What the hell's going on? Times have changed, but people. It's 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 weird. Like uh, humans have a sick affinity towards violence. And uh, you know, and then you have the flip side of that, where you have people out here who are so caring and devoting their lives to helping anything and everything. People animals, uh, forest, um, all kinds of stuff that people that would, uh, they would never hurt a fly. 
And, you know, we don't get to hear too much about them people except once in a while. And you have people that uh, they would never steal. They would never harm anybody. If they saw a $20 bill drop out of somebody's uh, pocket, you know, they would pick it up and go run up to them and say, sir, you dropped this, ma'am, you dropped this. And then you got other people just, just, you know, anything they can, like these scammers, always trying to scam somebody. I absolutely oh, just on Facebook, and, you know, like they're always telling me, like, send me your cash app tag. I'm like, I don't even use cash app, buddy. And you don't even know me. Exactly. So why are you asking me? And then they'll say, oh, I'll give you a blessing. I'm like, if I could only see your face, I was like, I would just like cave in your face because you're trying to rip me off. You know what I mean? It's like, where do these people get off with this shit? It's insane. You know, they're <laughs> predators. They're yeah. Absolute predators. I and wanted they, to ask you a question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and it's like you have, uh, you know, those people and then you have the ones that always feel they need to go out and shove somebody around, show what a badass they are. And, uh, it kind of reminds me of some things that some old uh, comedians said from years back. And I try to modify this thing. And just like when you have uh, these gangsters, these, uh, you know, these pedophiles, these uh, rapists that will, people go around, beat the elderly and scam the elderly. It's like, well, you know, they got some alligator farms down in Florida and uh, you know, you put big old pylon up there, you know, yay round about 10 feet in the middle of the lake. You can go sit up there. Well, man, what do you got to do this for? Did you just forget about everything you did to various members of societies out there? Well, what about those alligators? Well, I thought you were a badass. See, we're giving you a sporting chance. At least you have the opportunity of whooping all them gators and swimming off if you want to. We're going to give you a sporting chance, about mm-hmm. as much chance as you gave the other people that you preyed on. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good point. That, that, that really makes a really good point. Now, I don't know if you go into these topics, but I wanted to see if you thought that, like, maybe some of this mind control stuff, and this, this is a reach, I'll admit. It's a little speculation because I have no evidence for it. But I, 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 I tend to think that, you know, maybe, I mean, okay, how do I want to explain this? I tend to think that a lot of the world might be controlled by ETs, like, and you've been on coast to coast, so you're, you're familiar with this kind of material. But like, you know, because I feel like some of the times some of the things that humans do to other humans is so unhumane that I would think that it, it would have to be like E.T. controlled. But do you think some of these mind control experiments could have been like E.T. controlled at the top levels or something like that? Or is that just reaching too far? Oh, no, that's not a reach at all uh, in the realms that uh, some of us have uh, been around, uh, they have what they call shapeshifters. And this is not something that Hollywood created. This is real. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Men in Black, uh, with, in the 1997 movie with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Yeah. And that, that spaceship uh, crashed on that farmer's property. And uh, anyway, he goes out to confront him and the uh, the off-worlder grabs him, pulls him down, and next thing you know, he's wearing the guy's skin. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones later on said, uh, imagine this, kid. You got a, uh, a cockroach out there with unlimited power and a nasty disposition running around, tearing ass around Manhattan in a brand-new Edgar suit. Well, they do. Uh, maybe that's to the extreme, but there are a lot of these off-worlders 
that uh, that do that. And we've been shown these. Uh, we've been shown this in various movies, and some of the movies they show us in appear to be kind of cornball, but and so people don't want to believe it. They're telling us exactly what's going on, and people don't want to believe it. And a uh, perfect example is a movie that came out about 20 years ago, and it was the uh, first uh, live-action Scooby-Doo movie where they were on that uh, island. And so, anyway, they had these, uh, uh, some kind of creatures, whether they be uh, demonic or whatever the case was, but they needed human skin, they needed human bodies to be in the light. And that one... Uh, gal was riding with Shaggy and her face hit the um, hit a tree branch and it knocked her mask uh, Caddy Wampus and Scooby looked over and he could see those green eyes and she pulled the mask and she snapped it back in place and it was fine well there are pictures or videos on uh, YouTube today and one of them is a guy they say was the Pope and his mask got kind of loose and he had to snap it back into place and so the individuals wearing uh, masks. I got a picture uh, on my phone. I pulled off somebody's uh, page. A guy I know who is, uh, had been around the world of Intel for a long time. And there was a human face on this uh, table or whatever it was in a lab somewhere, and they were taking a close-up picture of it, close-up footage of it. I'm thinking, okay, now who's going to get to wear that uh, face? Who are they trying to uh, uh, tra- transfer? You know, what are they what are they doing here? And it was like a regular picture. It wasn't no CGI. It was a regular picture that somebody took and got out of this facility wherever it was. And there was like a human face. Take that and fasten it to another human face to conceal who and what they really are. And uh, these guys they call wearing Edgar suits. I saw one in Canada years ago, back in 2005, when I was uh, doing a truck and run up there. There was a place we used to deliver to in Victoriaville, Quebec. And uh, Quebec, uh, there's Quebec and there's one other province in Canada, which is French speaking. Uh, All the others, they speak English. And so when we used to have to go up there to do our uh, pickups and deliveries, uh, there was a lady in there in the office that spoke both French and English. And there was this feller working in there and he just didn't seem right. And I started looking at his neck on both sides and it looked like his neck was fused together. Oh my God. And his, and his arm, like you see my arm here, regular old arm, his arm, his forearm looked like it was bent a little bit, kind of like overly curved. And I'm thinking, something don't look right about this guy. And then he, uh, somebody said something funny, and he laughed, and I could see his tongue, and it wasn't a pink tongue like ours, it was a jet black tongue. His oh tongue was as black God. as your Now, this guy wasn't right. And um, I had learned from... Uh, couple different people that uh, used to work in military intelligence and I cannot reveal what the word is because if it gets overly used then uh, the word has no meaning anymore.
But what this word does, what it translates into is I can see through your disguise and I know who and what you really are. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you just can't reveal because if it gets overly used, well, then it's ineffective anymore. It's just like, you know, 80 years ago, if you called some gal, you know, uh, the B word or ho or something like that, you know, there's probably going to be a serious confrontation a little bit less these days. And so yeah. that the word is, has lost its effect because it's overly used. And so I said, something don't look right about this guy. I'm going to try something. And he was uh, on the phone sitting at his desk, which he was, uh, his desk is probably about four feet away from me where I was standing. He was sitting behind his desk and we all know the look. He was sitting there like this, like that. I can't see elbow. Your, your cameras. I can't see you. I, for some reason, I, I thought you were going without a camera. Um, Cause I, I was going to say, if you were demonstrating something, if you want, or did, I didn't know if you wanted to turn, but okay. I, but it's, 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 I get your gist though. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. His elbow was on the, uh, on the table. The phone was in his hand. His head was down like he was uh, just trying to stay awake on this phone call. We've all done that. We know the look. And so I was talking to the lady over here that uh, was the bilingual that uh, spoke English and French. And I, I slid this word into a conversation. And anyway, I was uh, talking about uh, going through uh, different passes, different valleys, passing different uh, camps and things like that. And then I slid this word in there in less than seven seconds. I turned around. This guy had hung up the phone. He had come around his desk, his hands on his hips, and he was shaking so bad like he was terrified. He was just like that. He wasn't mad. He was more like terrified because what I said could have very well caused him to reveal who and what he really was. And that's one of the things, uh, whether you call them uh, shapeshifters or wearing, or whether or not they're wearing uh, human skin as a disguise, uh, somebody else's body, they're wearing it as a disguise. Uh, because the last thing they want anyone to know or to see is what, who and what they really are, because we know these gym bobs out here, they'll just cut loose with a, you know, with their 12 gauge or whatever. And so they need to keep their identity concealed. And it was kind of interesting because I went up there two weeks later. Now the three years that I've been going up there, he'd been in that office the whole time. And so two weeks later I go up there and I asked the lady, I said, where's old boy at? She goes, Oh, him. He transferred to the backside of the other side of the factory because he was scared that if I said what I said again, that he might not be able to contain himself and he would just bust open and we could see what he really was. And what's that so like a reptilian? Like a, you think of like a reptilian or a demon or. I would say probably a reptilian. Yes. Yeah. It seems like they're rampant in our population and you know what they could be, they could be a big part of why people are doing like this crazy shit that we can't explain, you know, like mm -hmm. they possess a body and, you know, like they have all different kinds of ways for they have all different kinds of ways. These demons, these reptilians, these aliens, whatever they are, like 
and I don't believe they're all one and the same. I believe there's a lot of different entities messing with us, but they can get in your head, you know, like by doing the schizophrenic thing. They can abduct you uh, and take you out of your house at night, do genetic experiments on you, and they can get you to conform that way. They can pos actually possess a body for maybe maybe those people aren't. Uh, I'm not going to say spiritually strong, but um, there's obviously something that they can possess certain people, and they can't possess other people. Like there has to be some kind of glitch in somebody's makeup that they some some entity is able to go inside them and just kind of wreak havoc and you know make them do all kinds of crazy shit. Like, but I think that that, that, that it, I don't know if it's different entities, but I know they they sure do have a lot of different ways for accessing us, and I think they use all those ways. And and uh, and and I don't know if it's come some kind of spiritual war or, or what, you know. Well, they need our DNA for one. That's one of the things that's been going on since uh, at least when Eisenhower uh, had that meeting over at, uh, I can't remember which Air Force base it was right now, but he had a meeting with them and they agreed that they would be willing to give us just technology that we never knew existed in exchange. They would be able to abduct uh, earthlings off of this planet so they could do their own experiments and they needed our DNA for one reason or another. Now, when you was talking earlier about, do I think that some of these uh, twisted doctors are uh, off worlders? Well, they, like I said earlier, they make movies and TV shows showing us what they really are. But uh, a lot of people are just, uh, they're not in tune enough to understand and believe it. And the one movie that comes to mind is a movie called Jupiter Ascending. Oh, and in that all about that movie, um, that's with Travolta, right? I don't recall if Travolta was in there. Oh, but, I'm uh, in, uh, as in we're this movie, yeah, in this movie, uh, in fact, I think I ended up putting it on my YouTube uh, channel, which is called Eric the Mind Control Guy. And uh, anyway, on in the movie Jupiter Ascending, they bring this lady in to this uh, to this hospital room, and there's all these doctors in there, and you're looking at their faces, and something just doesn't seem right about them. And they get this lady, and they strap her down, they put a muzzle over her face, and they said, is she the one? And it's like, yeah, she's the one. Killer. And she's just freaking out. They... They lift her or levitate her off the uh, the table, and this guy, we, he's a police officer, detective, or something. He comes in, and he just starts blasting away, and these aliens, they have some kind of cloaking device around them that conceals their identity, makes them look just as human as you and I, and when he started capping these guys, their cloak disappeared, and it revealed what they really were. And they had all these grays just dropping out. Uh, you know, he was shooting them. They were dropping. Their cloak was disappearing. Some kind of sophisticated electronic technology. And some of them were jumping on the walls and everything. Hey, secret's out. And uh, he ended up capping them all. But there was no Hollywood guy that just come up with that on his own. They were yeah. showing us exactly what they were. Well, you know what's so interesting about that? I just looked this up, and I'm so glad I did because the the same people that made uh, the Matrix, the Wachowski, well, they were the Wachowski brothers. Now they were the Wachowski sisters. That kind of 
gives you an idea where our society's at. But um, they made Jupiter ascending. So, that, I mean, like, they knew about the Matrix, that we could have been in some simulated reality. I don't know how they know this stuff. But then they, they make certain movies like this, too. Like, how does that even, like even that's just so weird, right? That the Wachowski sisters, the same people that made the matrix make this. I, I just think that's so, so odd, you know, it's like they know something or maybe Hollywood knows something and they, but you know, they have this idea in mind of the movie that they want to make before they make it. Like when they made the matrix, you know, and I heard that they actually stole that script off someone that some girl, uh, uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone interviewed a girl who said she had the original script, the matrix and that the Wachowskis actually took it off of, of her or something like that. But I, I don't know. Well, do, do you find them a little bit weird? The Wachowskis? Uh, I don't really know anything about the Wachowskis, but as far as in the realm of uh, Hollywood and the entertainment industry in general, uh, Folks in there going around ripping off everybody else's stuff is nothing new. That's been going on since it's all been around. And yeah. you always hear once in a while you hear about a case of musician that some guy played a riff on a guitar and they say, you stole my riff. You know, there's only so many notes on a guitar. Something's going to sound the same after a while. or on a piano or something like that. And some guy come up with something, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And here's some young guy. Maybe he never heard what you said, what you played. He just thought this sounded good. And, you know, just like in these uh, movies and stuff, these movie scripts. And, you know, there's no honor among thugs. There's no honor among thieves. You and, know what uh, movie I was thinking of? I was, I was thinking, I don't know if you ever saw this one. The one with Travolta is called Battlefield Earth. And that reminds me of like Anki and Enlil, the Anunnaki story. That Battlefield Earth was, I remember this guy, this researcher I followed, Gerald Clark, he died. But he would talk about that, that Battlefield Earth with Travolta was just like a, a spitting image of the Anunnaki story, if you're familiar with that. Um, I heard of the movie, but I never sat down and watched it. Um, I just never really thought about it at the time, but unfortunately for me, because of all the really, uh, sadistic and twisted stuff that happened, uh, not just in the mind altering research study, but other projects that came later on, uh, there's a lot of things that I cannot physically watch, uh, without taking a, a terrible risk of one of these sealed up vaults that I have in my head unlocking and next thing you know, I start having horrific memories of something that I knew uh, never knew happened. And one of them, uh, the worst one that I can think of, there was a movie called The Fourth Kind. And what that I remember, was, that. I remember that it was about people who were uh, abducted. And anyway, what had happened uh, there was it was about hypnotic regression. Like uh, Betty and Barney Hill, the famous couple from, uh, I think, Vermont or New Hampshire. And uh, they were supposed to have been uh, abducted by some off-world craft. And, it, you know, the story is just, you know, so bizarre. Back then, people would have thought it would unbelievable. Today, in 2022, it would sound extremely believable. And anyway, so there was a uh, project... Um, because like I say, the mind-altering research start, the mind-altering research study was the overall umbrella project. 
And then they had all these other sub projects. Some of us who had got uh, perfected or they decided we were perfected to where they could use us basically in anything they wanted to. We used to get loaned out or as I term it, got hoard out uh, to these other agencies who were doing these studies. And there was a study that went on from 1983 to 1986. And I was only in it for a short time in the last year of it. And it was a study. Uh, part of the study was simulated off-world abductions. And because of the Travis Walton case, the Betty Barney Hill case, the two most famous ones, and uh, many other uh, lesser ones, they wanted to study the human psyche, uh, you know, how people would react if they believed that they were being abducted by off-worlders. And of course, they had uh, all the technology money that could buy virtual reality, realistic uh, costumes for these people who would be portraying these uh, off-worlders. I don't like to use the term aliens, so I just use the term off-worlder. So wait, you're saying the abduction phenomenon was a lot of it was staged? No, I'm saying a lot of it was real, but they did a study. And uh, they wanted to study, you know, the human psyche of what the average person how they would react if they believed abducted by off-worlders. And this study went on for for three years, from 83 to 86. Uh, There was like 65 or 66 people all told, test subjects. They, uh, 28 of us made it, 25 got brain fried, and 12 died in testing. Now, you got to think, if uh, some guy, he's just your uh, regular Joe Blow, G.I. Joe, and, uh, you know, he's not even thinking about any of that kind of stuff. He's all he want to know is, you know, where's the next beer joint? Where's the strip joint at? You know, and unbeknownst to him, he is brought into the study and he never knew it. And, of course, because his, he's in an uh, altered state of consciousness and for the ones that didn't make it, when they came to prematurely, where the stuff didn't work on them and they came out of their fog and they literally believed that they were abducted by these off worlders who were sitting there doing experiments on them. Of course it was all simulation, but they thought it was real because of the state of mind they were in. And they either had uh, heart attacks and died or the, uh, or their brains got scrambled because they just freaked out and they ended up in a mental institution. Their families were told fairy tales about what happened. Oh my God. That's horrible. Like, so let me ask you this. We don't have a lot of time. We've been going about an hour and this has been an excellent conversation. Like, I don't think I can post it on my YouTube, but I can definitely post it on my Rockfit and rumble channels and my audio, you know, but, but still it's really good. Like, um, because we, we touched on some sensitive subjects, but, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was your thoughts on the secret space program. And because now what's coming forward is, and I thought maybe when, you know, I, I didn't hear your whole coast to coast interview. I thought maybe that you had some kind of connection to the secret space program with your, with your, with the mind control experiments, because a lot of times, um, a lot of these people that are coming out of this secret space program, um, you know, like people that say they've been in it, they were regressed 20 years and back or whatever, whether I believe them or not, their stories seem really real. And I, and when there's an element of mind control to it, you never know what could be going on. Maybe these were experiments that were 
placed on these people. They think that they were in some kind of secret space program. Meanwhile, it was just a mind control experiment. Yes. Uh, like I say, within those realms, pretty much the sky was the limit, and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing the envelope. Um, and I am convinced that I would believe that, yes, there would be a, uh, a secret space program. And sometimes when uh, the military or whoever is doing things that sometimes would see be ultra secret or maybe a little bit unethical, and sometimes they're doing it for our own good. Because if uh, people really knew what kind of dangers could be befallen this earth at any given time, it's like, I always go back to the, the movie Men in Black with Tommy Lee Jones when uh, he said, look, there's always, and he rattled off several different things, uh, trying to wipe out life on this one miserable little planet. But the only way that people here get on with their happy little lives is they do not know about it. So there are forces working behind the scenes to keep a lot of stuff at bay because, let's face it, the radio show from, I think it was the 30s, uh, War of the Worlds. It was, it was a radio play, but people turn, tuned in too late, and they thought it was a real radio report, and people just freaked out. And um, in the 1996 movie, uh, Independence Day, if people really thought this uh, planet was being invaded by hostiles from uh, another world, uh, people would just freak out, run over each other not care and so it, you know you, you got to ask yourself are people more dangerous when they're pissed off or when they're scared out of their minds fight or flight you know um, you got a bull coming at you a mad bull are you going to put up your dukes and beat the hell out of the bull or are you going to knock everybody in out of your way to try and get away yeah that's 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 exactly what they're going to knock people out of their way because they're scared shitless right mm -hmm. like exactly. and, well, I, I, I was gonna. I was thinking of, there was something a really good point I wanted to bring up. Oh, I hate when that happens. Um, it was uh, it, it, if you can keep talking. I I, uh, I I was trying to think of what it was that I was gonna ask you. It was something so important. Um, oh oh oh! I remember now. Uh, what I was gonna say was um, I think maybe the government might have done something, and I. I don't know how they would have done this, but I asked Daryl Sims about it the other day and, you know, cause he was, uh, he used to be in the CIA, but then he's been doing uh, abduction victim cases for the last 30 years. He, he, uh, he doesn't trust the CIA obviously at all. He doesn't like them or whatever, but he, um, he, he was in it during the Vietnam war, but for the last 30, 40 years or whatever, or 30 years, he's been, um, doing abductee cases and helping abductees. And he's, you know, like in the UFO community, but regardless, I said to him, because I didn't, I haven't heard about as many abductions. Like it's really went down. I said, Daryl, do you think the military could have done something to stop some of these abductions? And the only reason why I could think that they would do that is because, you know, so there would have been, I mean, it seemed like the aliens were abducting people at an alarming rate and they were taking a lot of our genetics and maybe the government found out something and found out a way to combat it. And I'm not, on the government side or anything, the reason why I say this is because the the amount of abductions decreased in, insanely. Like the, from the amount of people that were being abducted in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, you don't hear about it as much anymore. 
people do tell me it still goes on, but you, it's not nearly as much. I mean, it was rapid. It was it was like it was like they were building a genetic farm or, or army or something like with the amount of genetics they were taking from men and women. So I kind of just put that theory together that maybe the government might have done something like to maybe try to combat that. And they never have the best interest of the people in mind, but maybe I was thinking maybe just to stop the epidemic that would have been of, of survivors. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you figure if uh, an off-world craft lands at uh, Holloman Air Force Base, and I think that's where Eisenhower had his meeting, and uh, they come down and, you know, we're going to need uh, to be able to take these people because human beings to them would, you know, have been like, you know, cows and pigs to us. They're just nothing. But they say, hey, we need their uh, DNA. And uh, you say, this is the way it is, boys. You know, we have the ability to completely annihilate life on your planet as you know it. We have uh, the technology to send you back to the Stone Age. But we don't have to go that route. It's kind of like making somebody an offer they can't refuse, as the old mob used to do. It's like, look, here it is. We can give you technology that will blow your mind, that would benefit you guys uh, to the sky's the limit. But in return, you need to let us abduct whoever we want to for our own reasons, and nobody gets to ever know about it. And if the word gets out, we're coming after you. And so I think that's probably... It probably happened along that line. Yeah. But do you think there was ever a point where maybe they, they kind of fought back and tried to maybe slow down some of these abductions that were happening? Um, I honestly don't know if they tried to uh, do it or not, because you figure, you know, somebody gets the goodies. Somebody has the good stuff. It's like, hey, you know, we don't care about those peasants. I mean, to the, the upper echelons, that's all we are. We're yeah. We're just yeah. throwaway peasants. Yeah. So it, it, it's so, it's so, it's so it's interesting. Like, and, and the more that you look into this mind control and, and the more I hear about this, the more it gives me distrust in government. Like, it's like, how are we ever supposed to trust our government when they're performing experiments on their own people? I mean, that just nullifies everything right there. It's like it's like trusting a girl that cheats on you. You know she's going to do it again, right? Or or, or maybe even like you you know I, I think that's the perfect example. Like if a girl cheats on you, you're not going to go back to her because you know like so like it's the same thing with the government. It's like you do something that insane where you're you're doing, and we know they did MK Ultra as well. That's 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 a historical fact that they performed. And then there was the Tavistock Company over in London. They were performing, um, you know, so we're, we're just getting our orders from the queen, I guess, you know, like that they, they, uh, they follow suit, I guess those two countries, but I would never trust the government again, you know? Oh, exactly. And, uh, when they want to, what I call, when they want to hide behind classified, when they say that you can't talk about that, that's classified. My first response is prove it. You know, we can't do that. Well, I guess you ain't got a leg to stand on. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about this. But that's classified. Prove it. Let's see. And the other thing I would say is uh, why? 
why is something classified? Are you saying by when you when you say that's classified that you're committing crimes under the cloak of secrecy that are regardless of whether illegal or not, they're unethical and immoral. And why do you, do you not want uh, people to know about it? And, you know, I my attitude is take classified and stick it up your six. You know, yeah. when stuff gets this bad and then uh, these troops end up either in a graveyard or in a mental institution and their families are told fairy tales, uh, something's got to give. And that's one of the things that gets me so aggravated. But, you know, how can you uh, prove anything when all the evidence is buried in a vault at the bottom of the Pentagon? And unless you have the right kind of clearance and need to know, you're not going to get there. And the reason I say that is because the lady I knew a number of years ago, uh, I was talking to her about some of this stuff. She was prior Air Force. She goes, well, you know, I got a friend that works at the inside the Pentagon. Uh, maybe I can talk to him and see what he can find out. So, okay. So I gave her some basic information. I told her what my name was, the name of the project, when I was in, where it was at, that kind of thing. No problem. About a week later, uh, I said, so did you get in touch with your friend? She goes, yeah. Uh, what did he find out? Well, he did find out a few things, but uh, he hadn't found out very much. And the next thing you know, here comes some big brass walking in his office. And said, what are you doing? Well, thinking quick, because of the nature of things, he goes, well, I was just doing my own research. And they said, if you value your career, you will never try and access that stuff ever again. Wow. And this was back in 2010. And so that is how closely guarded uh, all these ultra secret, extremely unethical projects. This is how closely guarded they still are. Wow. Wow, this is this is amazing stuff. Well, do you want to tell everybody where to find your YouTube page? Um, if you have an, another page or a, a website or anything like that? Sure. The uh, uh, the Facebook group page, it's a private page, but you can still find it. Uh, and all you have to do is uh, send me a request that you want to join. And I've never turned down anybody. I always accept people, but I do have a couple rules. One, no trolls. Rule two, see rule one. And the other thing is nobody is allowed to slander somebody else's story uh, because the people here, this is where the adults are. If the trolls come, my attitude is go back to eating Tide Pods. We don't need you here. This is for the true believers, the people who've experienced things, uh, people who survive things that never should have happened. And, you know, people that uh, we were all babies at one time and we all grew up to have different lives, different experiences. And, you know, if somebody's out there in the woods and they see something that we've been told our whole life doesn't exist and they have a close encounter, they need to get it off their chest. And a lot of times people wouldn't want to say anything because they don't like the ridicule that goes along was seeing something out of the ordinary when everybody is just going to go ahead and laugh at you. My site, my Facebook page, my Facebook group site called Eric the Mind Control Guy, spelled with a K, not a C. Uh, that's what this site is for. Come here, tell your stories, meet other people, be acquainted with other people in the group, share your experiences, 
No one's going to laugh at you because anybody that starts ridiculing somebody, I will boot their ass fat off faster than anything. My YouTube channel is the same name, Eric, the mind control guy. And uh, that's what my site is for. It's for true believers, not trolls. I, I got one one question I didn't ask you about. I, I mean to ask you, but it was off, off topic. But you were a trucker um, for all the years. Like if you obviously saw my picture behind me, I have a picture of Art Bell. Were you a big Art Bell fan? Because I know a lot of truckers used to listen to Art. Oh, I was uh, listening to Art off and on since 1996 when I first learned, learned about him. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, Art was, uh, he was an interesting character. I'll tell you that. I uh, got to talk to him one time. Uh, he had a guest on there that was talking about out-of-body stuff. And, and so there was a project when I was in where they found a way through all their years of research. Uh, people have heard of the term out-of-body experience. Well, they found a way to do what I call an out-of-body extraction. And uh, anyway, I called. I happened to get through. And I asked the art and the guest, I said, uh, I told them what the project was. And I just uh, wanted to see if the, the guest uh, had ever heard of that before. Art started stuttering and he couldn't get me off the air fast enough. Because <laughs> when you start trying to uh, uh, talk about ultra classified stuff, they're like, oh, uh, uh, we can't allow that on the, on the air. Yeah. So, but art, art was quite a quite an interesting guy. He had... Uh, and art was uh, really laid back. You know, I mean, pr people within reason pretty much had free reign, what they wanted to talk about. And he used to have fun with some of the guests or some of these callers, I should say. Uh, one guy would call up, he'd be stoned out of his mind and he didn't remember why he called. And so art acted like the pizza place. He goes, uh, what, what did you want on that pizza? Did you say you wanted anchovies? And I remember and, that. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And another time he had, was messing with some glue and he glued his lips together and everything. And that was just uh, and art. Just he just ran with it. You know, art was he, he was a true dude. Really liked Art Bell. I, I liked him, too. And then one the last question I have for you is, like, do you um, still use some form of radio? You know, like art was interested in ham radio and I never got into it, but I've been wanting to get into ham radio. But I was thinking about also or maybe getting a CB radio from home. Obviously, you use CB while you're in the truckers. Would you would you still trust CB radio and or what would you use ham radio if you had to use a radio? Uh. Well, I never really got into ham, and uh, I haven't used a CB in about 22 years. And the reason I haven't, it just got so vile and so foul out there. Uh, you yeah. couldn't turn on the radio if somebody's, you know, F this, F that, anybody want to kick my ass, you know. And God help the ladies if they got on there. I mean, some of these guys, it's like, you know, you kiss your, you kiss your mama with that mouth, you know. They, they, I mean, they were trying to hit on the girls right away, right? They'd be trying to meet up or something. Oh, yeah. And uh, a lady would call and uh, wanted to know if somebody could help her. Uh, like this one instance that actually happened, I think it was in Oklahoma, and uh, she had injured her shoulder and she needed to slide her tandems with the pull bar. And so she could adjust the weight on her trailer and get it uh, uh, scaled out right. So could anybody help her uh, slide her tandems? And then these guys came back with all this nasty, dirty talk and everything. And I said, I'll help you out, hon, where you at? So I go up there. When I got up to her door, she was crying her eyes out. 
that, you know, your fellow drivers, your fellow humans are talking to you like a rancid piece of trash. And so, I mean, yeah, and it got to where that's all you heard on the radio. And CBs at one time, we used to have a lot of fun, but it got to where, you know, anybody and everybody got on the CB and they just got to get as foul and degenerate as possible. And I just say, you know what? I don't want to hear it anymore. And so I just quit uh, carrying them. And then it got to where uh, sometimes, like my buddy Sergeant Gray, every time you turned around, you'd pull into a truck stop, go in and get a meal, come back out. Somebody broke into your truck and stole your radio. Oh, and wow. you get these, you get a lot of losers that hang out around truck stops. For one, they know uh, truckers, uh, they're employed. That doesn't mean they necessarily have a lot of money, but they are employed. And uh, so they figure, well, let's see what kind of toys they got. And they keep an eye on these guys. They watch you go all the way into the uh, truck stop. And when you're out of sight, out of mind, they're over there, Jimmy, in your lock and trying to steal your stuff. Where I work now, I've worked here for over 16 years, and I deliver groceries for a living. And several years ago, one of our guys said uh, he's backed into a uh, store, went in and unloaded the trailer. And while he was unloading the trailer, somebody was unloading the cab of his truck. He had his truck broken into three times. You know, so it gets to where you don't even feel like you carry anything decent with you because some uh, jerk off over there is going to be breaking in to steal your stuff when you're not looking. And I'm like, why give them bait? Yeah. I I just, I just don't want to have anything out there. So if they look at my truck, they don't see a CV. They don't see anything like that. And uh, my dash cam and my uh, radio, my iPod, when I back into someplace, I go, I go put that stuff in the back in my bag. So when they look up, they don't see anything worth stealing except maybe some water bottles. And that's about it. That's smart. That's real smart. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can see why you wouldn't use a CB anymore. This is this has been a fascinating conversation. That's really was. I'll send you links um, when I put them up. I'm probably going to post them tonight before I go to sleep. But uh, um, yeah, thank you so much. Not a problem. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. And I'd like to have you on again sometime, you know, as as things develop in this war and stuff, if, if that's what we're heading towards, like, you know, I'd like to have voices like yours on because you have a good sense of what's going on. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. And I, I'll keep in touch with you. Not a problem. All right. Thanks talk- for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye. Take care.